Hey everybody, this is Erica. And this is Tina. And we are A92A. A92A stands for ages 9 to adult. That's how long we've been on this journey together as friends. 92 is also our high school graduation year. And ages 9 to adult is a nod to the board game life, which we rockified as kids in order to live out our rock and roll fantasies. Thanks everyone for being here for yet another episode of A92A. We're so happy to have you. Uh, today, our topic is about a specific place. Yes. And, you know, a lot of times we talk about bands and we talk about music and we talk about videos and we talk about all these other things, but today it's about a place and a specific mm-hmm. place in Los Angeles. And we're talking about, of course, the famous Rainbow Bar and Grill. Yes. Uh, right on Sunset. Um, you've been there more times than I have, obviously, living in L.A., but you and I have been there together several times. Yes. So um, this is not a place that we're unfamiliar with. Uh, I've been there probably five or six times myself. You've mm-hmm. been there probably much more than that. But I wouldn't say that. Oh, okay. Only five <laughs> or six times as well. <laughs> Um, I actually had a party there not long ago uh, for a conference. There was an agency that hosted a party there, and that was crazy. But I'll be honest with you, Tina, and I was talking to James uh, at the Rainbow last night, who's a long-term employee there. Um, And a lot of times when I go on the Rainbow, it's interesting because it's not very busy. Now, when I went for the party, it was jam-packed. And I think it's hit or miss in terms of capacity. Sometimes I think it's more filled with tourists. Sometimes I think there are... You know, you could see rock stars there still. Right. It's kind of an interesting place from that perspective. What yep. do you tell me what your overall sort of like feeling or impression is of the Rainbow Grill, Tina? I mean, it's um, well, first of all, how fun is this topic? Because it's about a restaurant and you like food. You're a foodie. Right. Right. Um, so it's almost combining your two loves. Right. But, um, it, you know, my impression is the same. It does ebb and flow in terms of like that kind of action activity that's going yeah. on in there yeah. when you go in. It's an interesting place. Um, it can often feel very sleepy. Mm-hmm. But that's okay. There's mm-hmm. something, you know, it's it's strangely, it's also a museum in kind of a way. Absolutely. I feel that way significantly about it. It, it right. feels like a little bit of a rock and roll history museum to me. Yeah. So um, it's kind of not just about going out to eat and it's not just about being, you know, you know in Hollywood and, you know, in, in an area where you know, 80s metal or, you know, 70s rock or everything kind of went down. It's it's sort of all of these things mm-hmm. combined um, with even just history of the city mm-hmm. and culture and pop culture and business and all kinds of other things. So right. um, it's an interesting place. I hope it's a place that continues and, and, you know, for decades to come, which I think it will. We'll talk a little bit about how it's lasted this long and kind of the legacy and what the vision is moving forward as well. But well, you and I also watched the documentary we did about the Rainbow Bar and Grill, which I think is just called The Rainbow, isn't it? I think so, yeah. Um, that was an interesting kind of deep dive into the history of this place, a lot of which I didn't know. Um, because I, a lot of times in my head, associate the, the Rainbow with 80s metal, sure. of course. Right. Um, and certainly it did play a huge role in that genre. But- it goes way back. It does. Uh, it's definitely a place that I didn't realize had such a rich history predating right. the 80s. Right. And kind of has a little partner right on the strip right there in the whiskey. Right. So these two are sort of, you know, intertwined in a way that have really created kind of a destination area 
for music, uh, mm-hmm. actor, you know, musicians, actors, uh, celebrities, influencers, you know, from mm-hmm. decades ago. So this this thing had been around as a restaurant um, and was changed over to the Rainbow Bar Grill in 1972. Mm-hmm. Um, the founders were, it was actually like a PR duo of, of guys, and then they brought on some other owners. And really, in the documentary, focuses almost exclusively on um, one particular owner, which is Mario Maglieri, mm-hmm. who, you know, really is considered the sort of godfather or pope of the Sunset Strip, you know, right. as they call him. Um and um, he also had a hand in kind of really, you know, changing the place around as well as the whiskey just down the street. Right. Um, and and so it was really the 70s where this kind of, you know, really kicked off a new era of this establishment in terms mm-hmm. of being a meeting place and a social gathering place mm-hmm. for who the who's who. Right. Of L.A. And, and it goes way, way back. Like, uh, you know, the documentary talked a lot about these 70s superstars. Right. right. Um, you know, I didn't realize that John Lennon hung out at right. the Rainbow. Yeah. Um, and with Alice Cooper and Mickey Dolenz. Yeah. And all of these like and random people. And John Belushi people. and random people. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, there's really so much rich history there. It's funny because in the documentary, um, you know, somebody mentions, I can't remember even who it is, mentions that there's a rumor that Hard Rock Cafes got their idea from right. the rainbow. Right. And I could absolutely see that being the case. I mean, when you walk into the rainbow, it really is almost like this very old school uh, vintage version of what a Hard Rock Cafe ultimately became, where you've got all this memorabilia hanging right. on the walls and autographs and people that just signed the wall, you know, yeah, for yeah. example, drum heads and, and guitars and all of this stuff everywhere you look, every single wall c- space is covered right. with something. Right. Yeah. I mean, Hard Rock definitely is the corporate version right. of this. Of right. Rainbow. This is super legit and authentic. And the pieces that are there were really important at the time. Uh, and so still are. They're just part of this whole Hollywood history. But yeah, that Alice Cooper, Mickey Dolan, John Lennon, all kinds of others became known as the Hollywood vampires. And yeah. They basically had like this sort of dude drinking club and mm-hmm. they would all gather there. So the 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 rainbow is like this sort of, you know, first main room and then there's a second floor and then there's even like a third floor, like a little kind of hidey hole, like even way mm-hmm. up high. That's where they would all go and they would sit around and get drunk and, do you know, drop mm-hmm. coiludes or lines of coke whatever or whatever the hell they were doing that day um, and had their own little like private drinking club um, on the upper floor. Uh, Kim Fowley hung out, Fowley hung out there when he formed the Runaways. Like all kinds of really crazy things happened mm-hmm. during that time period in the seventies. Yeah, and it was just really the place to to be and be seen. It was really like you know I, Mario Maglieri really was the Godfather. I feel like he provided a place for so many of these really kids right. who came out to LA in search of a dream. Right. And um, you'll hear reports and, you know, we've even read about it in books like Vicki Hamilton's book, for example, Appetite for Dysfunction, she mentions Mario. Um, <clears throat> a lot of these kids came out to LA and they had nothing and they had no one. Right. And he really did provide like a safe space for them and he watched out for them. Yeah. Um, if somebody needed food, he would provide food. If somebody needed a place to stay, he'd figure that out with them. So, I mean, definitely he was like such a huge figure. He was. And in the 70s, you know, he <laughs> so he was kind of brought in to turn some things around. Um, he where he, he, Were they from Chicago? Is that where they were from? Yeah, Chicago. He had a restaurant or something in Chicago or right. a, a club or something. Yeah. 
And so, um, you know, he came in and really made some things happen. Um, you know, and the, the whiskey down the street would have, you know, a resident band that would play the doors was resident band, you know, Mm -hmm. all these like, no big deal, no biggie, just, you know, every, you know, every week. Um, and make a couple hundred bucks a week or whatever as the resident band. And then, so basically the whiskey was where all the musicians went to play and people went to see the shows, but they hung out at the Rainbow Bar and Grill. And yeah, Mario was everybody's, you know, dad away from home. And he right. he took care of everybody and he also gave them the hard talks that, you mm-hmm. know, they didn't have family around to give. Like, son, you're drinking a little bit too much. And, right. you know, he also helped them get out of the, the club and into their cars or get them home or, right. you know, whatever that kind of stuff. Um and man, was he a tough son of a bitch. Oh, yeah. I mean, there was a part in the documentary where it talks about a night that Charles Manson wouldn't leave. Right. He was hanging out there. Right. And Mario had to come from home to the club <laughs> to kick him out. And, you know, Charles was kind of like, I'm not leaving. I'm Jesus. And Mario was like, well, I'm God. Get the fuck out or I'll beat your ass. <laughs> <Right>. And <laughs> he left. But that's kind of like the personality that Mario seemed to have. You know, he was really tough, you know, kind of did remind me of like a Chicago kind of ruffian, you know, like where he was just going to kick your ass if well, he did yeah, what he wanted. For sure. Yeah. And we, who knows what uh, really he was involved in, out, you know, out in Chicago yeah. and what he brought to, to the West Coast. But yeah, so this pattern, you know, this, this, this magic and everything, you know, created in the sort of 70s really just carried on through into the 80s with all these kids coming out. Um, and, and before you know it, you know, the, the young guys of Molly Crew and Poison and Guns N' Roses are hanging out, you know, at the rainbow all the time. And this is where they are when they're getting signed or get, mm-hmm. or, or they're broke or they're trying to connect or they're trying to get right. noticed, lead boards there. Like, you know, a lot of the bands live within walking distance of this area. Right. And I think, and particularly Clark Street, yeah. Lita Ford mentioned she had, she was on Clark Street. I know Crew had, had a place, place on Clark, Clark Street. Street you know, yeah. people, so I think a lot of, too, the labels were setting up bands in this area. Uh-huh. Just, you know, like, hey, while we figure out your deal, while we get you in the recording studio, you're all going to, li- you know, cram in, you know, all four of you into this, like, you know, two-bedroom apartment or whatever. Right. Um, so it was all very, like... It was all down in that area. Of course, the Tower Records just on the street too. Mm-hmm. So it's really the music mecca of, oh, it was. of the yeah. area, was it, and is particularly of rock. And you have to remember too that back in those days, like the strip really was like there were just people just wandering, like you know, just just walking up and yeah. down the strip, like yeah, hundreds of people just like walking up and down the strip and going into the clubs and going into tower records and going into the rainbow. And it was a very different environment. Whenever right. I'm, at, whenever I'm on the strip now, that's not the environment. No, it's like a few people here or there, Yeah, but they're, they're all going, going to somewhere. a specific destination. Yeah. They're parking, they're going in. Um, it's not the same environment that, you know, and I've seen pictures I didn't get to experience that obviously you and I were a bit too young to be part of that. But, um, I've seen pictures of just hundreds of people just wandering the strip and that's what it was. Yeah. It was like that into the nineties actually, because I remember when I moved moved to Los Angeles in 92, we we would go down to Hollywood and we would still see a lot of that. It's just the music was changing. Mm -hmm. Um, the look was changing, but it was, people were still wandering those streets. They were looking for something. They were looking for the community that was there. And the Maglieri family still owns and runs and operates the whiskey and the rainbow. Um, Mario's son, Michael, uh, kind of took the reins over when Mario cut back a little bit. Um, 
And then Mike Maglieri, who is the grandson of Mario, um, is the guy in charge now. And he's booking yeah. the shows and he's he's taking care of business. Um, Mike was interviewed in the documentary and I loved that he mentioned he doesn't like the music of today. Right. Uh, you know, he's still a fan of the old school stuff, yeah. which I love because I feel the same way. And sometimes I think, am I just old? <laughs> like, I know. Am I just stuck in my ways? But honestly, some of the music of today truly is garbage. Um, you know, Gene Simmons was talking about that on the documentary. Like you can name a hundred bands between the years of 1958 and 88. And, yeah. 1988 that, that are long standing icons in the world of music and you go from 1988 until you know now and can you name a hundred no you can't you You can name five or ten maybe right um and it and it's true um unfortunately i think garbage has sort of become the norm now and uh you know the more entities out there promoting and supporting true live music the more we can maybe hope that it'll make a return. And I think that's kind of what the whiskey and the rainbow are still icons and, and beacons of. What I loved in that documentary is that this sort of surprise that Michael and Mario maybe had with how easily Mike stepped into the role to do this stuff Mm -hmm. because they, he, they did, he hadn't been working in the venues or the establishments, you know, but you know, this is his family legacy. He's been around it all his his life It's in his blood. And he literally like stepped in, you know, um, so Mario w- had a cancer battle, mm-hmm. um, actually lost his nose. So mm-hmm. he wore a prosthetic nose after that. But, you know, his his son was kind of taking care of him a lot. And the grandson steps in and and they're like, wow, we just couldn't believe it. Like he just kind of shot off like mm-hmm. a rocket. And before you know it, he's booking bands and he's doing this and he's taking care of the restaurant and all this kind of stuff. And, right. and Mike's like, I just don't, like, what do you mean you're surprised? Like <laughs> I'm yeah. a Magliere. Like this is my family legacy. It's historical here and it's in my blood. I know exactly what I'm doing and I've been around this all my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, that family definitely has done really so much for, it, it's so funny because they own a club and they own a restaurant, but they've done so much for this music scene in LA. I mean, they truly have, they've created an environment where artists can be creative and network and meet other people and get record deals right. and, you know, survive, you know, because they're being fed or whatever it might be. They've done so much for the music industry. And it's not even just the scene in LA or the, it's business. Like they've, they've, they've helped discover bands that have made. Oh yeah. Labels, millions and millions of dollars. Like they have discovered. They've provided the the place for that. Bands. Yeah. Like, okay, we're going to sign this, you know, little band called the doors. We're going to, you know, Mm -hmm. we're bringing on this little band, you know, called poison or, you know, whatever that is guns and roses. It's like, guys, like this is major. Like they, they contributed so much more than just, Mm -hmm. you know, to the, to the, small community of Hollywood and the feel of that, but like, shit, you're welcome. Capital records. You're welcome. I mean, damn. Yeah. Great, great environment. So you and I visited the rainbow recently. We did. Um, and we dined there as we have many times before. Yeah. Um, but let's talk a little bit about the food because, you know, a lot of times you'll hear rave reviews about the food. Um, when you watch the documentary, for example, a lot of the yeah. a lot of the people that have frequented that place are talking about how amazing the food is. Um 
I don't know that I fully agree with that. It's fine. The food's fine. I think the food's fine. I think um, it's context, right? Yes, I, I think so too. I think if you've been down the street at the whiskey watching a band and you've had a few drinks and you're super hungry and you walk over to the rainbow and get a pizza, right. you're happy as a fucking clam. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, if you're sure. expecting fine dining and you're going out on a date with your significant other and looking for a good meal, I don't know that this is the place to go. Yeah. Uh, it's a little bland. It's a little bland. Slightly um, unseasoned. Mm-hmm. I had a mm-hmm. filet. I mm-hmm. had a filet mignon, um, which was actually quite good. It was a good, it was a good piece of meat. It was mm-hmm. perfectly medium rare as I ordered it. Mm-hmm. It was under seasoned, but that happens. Um, it came with um, a garden salad, which was actually fucking delightful. I was mm-hmm. like shocked. I even told <laughs> I told James afterwards. I was like, "Your garden salad is fucking fresh and lovely." I mean, yeah. it's it's ridiculous, but it was it was had black olives in it too, mm. and the ranch was good. I don't know, it was a really good salad. Um, the steak was served with. I, I got the twice baked potato. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and um, corn, which was literally just canned corn. I'm not even sure it was canned corn. I don't know where this corn came bucketed from. Bucketed corn. It was, <laughs> it was probably bucketed corn. It didn't come from a corn It almost husk tasted like hominy. I'm like, what is this exactly? What is like, hominy? It's like corn, but yeah. not corn. And that's kind of what the corn tasted like. Corn, it was very whitish, pale. It mm-hmm. was literally just corn. There was not a speck of Salt, Seasoning. pepper, there no. was no butter in it. There was nothing. It, was, it wasn't It was even really that well cooked. So. I don't know where the corn came from. Let's put it that way. Because yeah. it didn't look like it came right off the cob, and it didn't no. even look like it came from a can. So it didn't come off the cob. If you, if you had it on the cob, you would put it on a grill. You'd grill some corn, and then it would have a nice char on it, and then you'd actually have some flavor. Yeah, so a little so, bit So the rough. food aside, yeah, yeah, you know, look, all we're saying is that don't go there for fine dining. Right. But it's lovely food if you just want some comfort food. Yeah. You've just been at a show. You've spent a long night out at the clubs. Like, it's great. Or, it's great. Or if you're really just interested, like we are, in rock and roll. And yes. we want to be in a place that holds that much history and that, that much stuff to look at. Because you really can walk around. And it's truly, truly amazing. They're like, you know, in each booth, they're, they're just full of memorabilia and pictures mm-hmm. and signed autograph stuff and, and you know, guitars and all, all kind you know, equipment, even just random shit. I mean, I don't know. There's probably some gum on the wall that, you know, somebody right. should. Who knows? But, you know, there's like the slash booth and there's this. Right. Now, the set, the middle of the, the restaurant floor is actually two big semicircle booths mm-hmm. that face each other, essentially. Mm-hmm. They form kind of a huge ring in the middle. That ring is totally reserved for like real fucking rock stars Mm -hmm. so like it was empty they didn't seat anybody in Mm -hmm. that ring when we were there but most of the other tables were full it was actually pretty full when we were there Mm -hmm. um yeah it was but um that 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 circle is where you know the the bands often talk about that circle right and you know what was going down and and how shit was going down uh, in those moments and you can just and and you see like that you see this in music videos and you know, photographs and all the time that, you know, you see the Rainbow Bar and Grill and a lot of like action in those booths, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you definitely want to go there at least once. I feel like you almost need to make like a pilgrimage to the Rainbow because you need to experience it. You need to see all the photos on the walls, 
all the memorabilia. It's so amazing. You need to go out back to Lemmy's Lounge and take a picture with the Lemmy statue. Yeah. Um, you know, that's somebody that we haven't talked about yet, but obviously Lemmy from Motorhead was a fixture yeah. uh, for decades at the Rainbow. And so when he passed away, they really did like make a shrine to him they outside did. the restaurant and you can get your picture taken with Lemmy. Yeah. he. You can't talk about the Rainbow without mentioning Lemmy, which, um, you know, we were about to do. He, he... Yeah, in the last years of his life, he was he would sit at the end of the bar and he would play the the poker machine or the solitaire machine, whatever mm-hmm. the electronic machine was, and just kind of keep to himself and has have his drinks and do his thing. Um, but he was always known to be super friendly. He would mm-hmm. he would get mail there. People would call him there. Yeah, like uh, yeah. I, you know. I think in the documentary, I think the Maglieri family mentioned that they like some people thought he owned the place. Like yeah. they thought he was the owner because he was just there every <laughs> single day. Bless his heart. Yeah, yeah. So he he is now like a permanent kind of part of it. Um, and yes, yeah, so they have this great patio, they've got this parking lot and actually they do a lot of, uh, live events and stuff now, um, big gatherings, big parties. In fact, the rainbow bar and girl just celebrated its 50th year, mm-hmm. um, with a huge sort of all day concert hosted right. by Eddie trunk and a bunch of people played Stephen Pierce. was there, pretty boy Floyd, um, steel Panther was there paying homage, all that kind of stuff. So, um, they have the means there to do like a lot of really cool events and, oh, yeah. and celebrations, which is um, also awesome. By the way, why we we should be hosting shit like that at the Rainbow? Absolutely. Why aren't I we? I mean, I feel like the Rainbow and A ninety two A are simpatico. Absolutely. We uh, well, you've met a Maglieri though, right? I have. I've met Amy Maglieri, who is married to Mike. She's lovely. She's a super interesting woman. Um, and, uh, I met her at the agency party that I attended back, uh, in February of last year. Um, so yeah, she's great. She's fantastic. She's very friendly, very open, very, very chatty. She's lovely. We should, um, yeah, let's try to hook that up. Yeah. I want to do some stuff there. Um, so they also are very, very super active on social media. You guys should Mm. follow the rainbow bar and grill on Instagram. They post so many pictures. Like it, I don't even... It's weird. It's almost like they have a staff photographer who yeah. just takes fucking pictures of everybody. I right. don't know where they get them all. Well, some of them, I think they just ask you to tag, right. uh, you know, the Rainbow or Lemmy's Lounge or whatever the hashtag is. And so I think they just have somebody that's really like cultivating those pictures, pulling them off of social media as people post them and then reposting them on their own site. But yeah, they've got, you know, so much great social media footage out there. You should definitely follow the Whiskey and the Rainbow um, they've got tons of fun stuff to see. There's always something going on at those two places. I mean, it's just nonstop activity. I hope that, um, and, and the, the feeling is, and in the documentary, they actually, you know, mentioned this, that, uh, you know, Mike having taken over and, and then talking about other kids in the family, mm-hmm. uh, the next generation, you know, and, and one of the last things Mike says in the documentary is like, I, you know, I've got a daughter, we're fine. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's super cool. And, you know, it begs the question of like, destiny versus you know like mm-hmm. like am I not allowed to pursue my own thing am I <laughs> yeah. not, you know but like let's be honest like if you were born into a family this fucking cool wouldn't you want to right. take, take the reins over yeah. you know this this rock and roll legacy you and think so and they've done well because even you know even Michael said look I'm real proud of the kid like he grew up with a gold he said silver spoon then he changed it to gold he's like mm-hmm. he grew up with a gold spoon in his mouth that he didn't have to work like we got yeah. tons of money you know but this kid took the reins and right. and you know really brought it to the next level and made it what it is um, you know, I love the whiskey as a venue too. Mm-hmm. I love that it's right next door to the rainbow. Um, and, and, you know, it's, it's something that I hope we never hear some kind of stupid announcement about, oh, we're, you know, building a hotel right. or condos or some bullshit on yeah. this corner and we're taking out this whole block. I mean, I really 
I think the 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 entire town would really pres- protest that. Even people that are not necessarily right. deep in rock or you know seventies or eighties you know rock history or even current you know rock history. Um, so the the godfather of the Sunset Strip, Mario Meglieri, died passed away um, about five years ago mm-hmm. in uh, um, twenty seventeen, and you know they had a huge memorial service there. Mm-hmm. The city a, a city council you know city council sort of dedicated like a you know a big award to his achievement his his contributions to, you know, to the city and to music and to yeah. industry and to all that. It really stuff. is such like a part of the fabric of the history of LA. So like you said, I think if, if anyone tried to, you know, raise, raise those two buildings and, and put something else in their places, I don't know that that it would go over because I just think it's such a fat part of the fabric of what LA is yeah. and has been. Yeah. I have to tell you, I used the bathroom there last time. First of all, the bathroom is up the stairs and it's getting a little bit weird, but um, I was sitting in the stall and the lights went out. Oh, interesting. And I was, was in the pitch black and I just thought, oh, I've just sat still for a second. Like it's a motion detector. I'll just right. wave my arms around, which I was doing and it went to no avail. <laughs> um, so I, you know, finished and then, you know, flushed and, uh, well, I didn't flush actually cause I couldn't, I didn't know where the flusher was. And I, I mean, I was in pitch black. Like, oh my God. It was very funny. And I, so I'm feeling the door for the latch so that I can pull the latch open and actually get the fuck out of this <laughs> toilet stall and try to find some light, like any source right. of light, because it's a very small room and the door was shut and it's pitch black. There's nothing, right. you know? Um, and it wasn't until I got the door open and really, you know, bumped into the sink that the light came back on. So, uh, Weird. kind of a delayed motion detector situation in the bathroom. Just be careful, everybody, you know, <laughs> everyone be careful be in the careful rainbow bathroom, in the uh, rainbow bathroom, the women's bathroom specifically. So. Well, on that note, <laughs> I think it's time for us to ask our listeners, have you ever been to the rainbow? What are your favorite memories of the rainbow? What do you love most, uh, about the place and, and what's your favorite menu item? Tell us all the details about the rainbow. Um, you can interact with us uh, on our website, www.a92a.life, on Instagram at a92a underscore life, or check out our Facebook page, a92a. And in the meantime, keep rotting those bangs and banging those heads, and we'll see you next week. See ya. See ya.